All right, so if you would, grab the outline. We're going to dive in and talk about this idea of family legacy. And if you've been around here a little while, you've seen values, we're actually going to talk about those in September. And so we're going to finally kind of launch these out a little bit. But one of the values is value four. It's called family legacy. And the idea about this value is, is that uh, we look at our families growing up. We, we, we look at what they were and we kind of do some evaluation. In fact, students today, you know, starting to kind of think through these questions of, of what is going really, really well in our family. What do, what do you go, man, this is amazing. I'm so thankful for this because of my mom or my dad or my stepmom, stepdad, whatever that looks like. What are those things that you're really grateful for? And then what are those things that you go, man, you know what, this is, this is something I want to change. That's what we have to do as parents. We have to look at those things and go, you know what? Let me take the things that were good and keep them. And let me let, me let go of the things that weren't so good or toxic or unhealthy because I don't want to pass something down to my kids and just, just continue a cycle. And then the idea of in family legacy, we talk about marriage because we just believe in marriage. God's, God's all about marriage. He hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people, but he, he longs for us not just to have a marriage that's okay. Not just one that you go, you know what, it's better than my parents, or it's better than a lot of my friends, it's a five, I mean, it's good, but we want to chase the ten, that's what we're after. And then today, we're going to primarily focus in on this idea of, of what it means to invest into our kids' lives. Because I, I have to evaluate my, my family growing up, I have to look hard at my marriage, I have to work hard at, at, at learning from God and seeking His face, and then after I do that, in the process of doing that, I can pour that back into my kids. And so that's where we're going to go. At the top of your notes, you see that there are four attitudes of parenting. Four different attitudes that people take. I'm sure that all of us are in some category whatsoever uh, when it comes to some of these. The first, uh, the first specific one is, uh, is this, um, is, is that parenting, uh, having a relationship with God is not important. It's not really important. Some of you grew up in homes where Church, God, Jesus, the Bible, just not important. Not interested, not, not a conversation. No one ever turned that dial in your home, and so it's just not important. Maybe for you, it's not really been important up until this point. You're kind of wrestling through and thinking about some of those things, but, but you didn't attend church. Uh, they kind of unplugged the spiritual cord uh, from your family. It wasn't ever talked about. That's one attitude of parents. Second attitude is this. Having a relationship with God is a good thing. It's a good thing. Like Feeding them every day is a good thing. Like getting them involved in extracurricular activities is a good thing. Like making sure that they got their homework done is a, is a good thing. It's a good thing. Third area is having a relationship with God should be a priority. As you think about kind of the, the things in the, as we look at our kids as they kind of grow up, and, and, and you know, some of you are about ready to, to, to kind of allow your kids to transition into a new school or even into college, and there's some, there's some transition points, and there's some things you go, you know what, before they do that, I want to make sure that there's some key checkpoints that we have squared away. We want to make sure that, they, they, that we take them to the doctor, make sure they have good physical checkups. We want to make sure that we put money aside for college one day. We want to make sure that, that we do some things that prepare them, help them in this, in this search of trying to figure out what is it that God's calling them to do vocationally, and then we want to help them. That should be a priority for us as parents, and we also kind of think it, it, from an equative standpoint that, yeah, I mean, Jesus... It's a priority. But the last attitude is, is really, I think, where we should land and where I think the Bible tells us to land as parents is having a relationship with God is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. It's way more important than their GPA or what they scored or whether they got into this school or that school, whether they have worldly success or whether they're liked or whether they have this or that. It's, it's way more important than that. It is the most important thing, both here on this planet and then one day in eternity forever. It's the most critical thing that we can do for our kids. And here's the thing, this is really, really cool. No one, parents, look at me for a second. 
No one has more influence in the life of your kid than you. And no one has more influence in the life of my three kids than I do, according to some, some key statistics. I want to show you some things. These are in your notes. Who has more influence in, in the life of children today? All right? I put some, some, some things there so you can see the source and then, and then how much influence they have. Television, 13%. Music, 25%. The Bible, 44%. Church and pastors, 27%. Not so good. All right? Friends, 51%. Big one. And then parents, write this in, 78%. You have, you have, you have sway and, and you, have, you have influence, you have opportunity to pour into. No one has more opportunity to influence your kids than you. So here's the deal. As we talk about family legacy, you are passing something along to your kids right now, whether you know it, whether you've thought about it, whether you've been intentional about it, whether you've whether you ever had this idea of what God looks like. You're passing something on to them spiritually. You are. The question is, is, is do you like what you're passing on? And, and the question is, that if, if you don't, then we have to make some decisions now to change some of that. God has so much to say about this high calling of parenting. And you know this. If you've been a parent for more than 25 days, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things on the planet. If you want to have good kids, you have to work really hard. If you want to have great kids, you have to, you have to go above and beyond. It's, it never stops. You're always coaching, always trying to be intentional, always trying to encourage, always trying to be consistent. It, it's, it's a tireless effort that, that, that hopefully understanding that this labor is not in vain. It matters. It means something. So I want to ask you a couple questions, parents. These are for you. Describe the influence you got from your parents. In your notes, you've got some blanks there. The first one is zero spiritual influence. Some of you got zero spiritual influence. I got zero spiritual influence in my family growing up. Okay? Some of you were in the second category. You had limited spiritual influence. We'll talk more about what that means and looks like. You had limited. It was, it was talked about, sprinkled in. You went here and there. You went to church sometimes. Every once in a while, God brought, was, his name was brought up and not in vain. You know, it, was, it, was, it was limited spiritual influence. The third area is you had, you had strong spiritual influence. You had, you had godly parents that invested. And, and, and then here's the next question. Describe your, the, the role that your parents played in you receiving the gospel. Okay? And that's not for us to talk about today, but for you to think about, you know, did they play a role? Did they, did they do something? Did they have conversations? Did they, did they invest in you? Did they model it for you? What did that look like as it relates to you coming to know Jesus? Did they, have, did they play a role? Were they there? Were they in your corner? Were they on their knees praying for God's best for your life? Was that a part of, of what they did as, as a parent or was it not? So by show of hands, I just want to see what's in the room, okay? How many of you grew up with zero spiritual influence, all right? Some of you, okay? Some of us, yeah. How many of you grew up with limited, okay? All right? Quite a bit more. How many of you grew up with strong? Let me see your hands, okay? Interesting. Limited was the biggest category, just so you know. But as we kind of tease this out, some of us grew up in homes where faith was never talked about, ever, I mean, ever. I mean, you know, my parents got rid of me one time, and we went to this, they, they signed us up for this, like, Christian camp that was like super crazy Pentecostal, and I, I realized I must have done something wrong, and that was about it, and it was cuckoo for cuckoo. I can't go into that right now, not for the sake of time, but it was, I think my parents hate me, or they're moving while I'm gone. I mean, that's, that's literally what I thought about this whole deal, all right? So, some of us grew up in homes where faith was really private, 
You know, I mean, they, they love the Lord. They just never talked about it. You didn't really know him. You never saw him do anything or praying or maybe some kind of out in the distance. They just never really talked and verbalized, you know, it, it expounded on what, what it is that, that mattered to them. Some of us grew up in homes where it was more about the rules. And really, faith was kind of boiled down to, to, to rituals and, and rules. And it was more religious than it was really a relationship with God. And so we, we got some of it, but yet we have to unlearn some of those things because it's not biblical. Some of us grew up with, with limited spiritual influence. Faith was only talked about on rare occasions. Some of us, you know, just again, about a, a, a small portion of us grew up in godly homes with godly parents or maybe even godly grandparents. And my wife has that, has that family legacy growing up for her. I didn't, I didn't have that. And so she's continuing a legacy. And for me, I'm starting a legacy. And I want, I want it to be different. And regardless of where you are on the continuum, God wants to do something today in your family. He wants to do something in and through your parenting. He wants to do something amazing and redemptive in your kids' lives. That's huge and crucial. So in this, as we, as we think about this idea of what it means to be spiritually responsible for your kids, I wrote this down in your notes. When you hear the words, spiritually accountable to God, <laughs> those are scary words, for how you raise your kids, what, what, what emotions come to mind? What is it that comes to mind for you? Maybe it's... <sighs> Oh my gosh, you know, fear, overwhelmed, concerned, nervous, ill-equipped, inadequate, whatever those feelings are. You know, I didn't grow up, you know, in church, Scott. I didn't, I didn't go to Bible college like you. I, you know, I don't know a ton about the Bible. And so these feelings of being spiritually accountable or spiritually responsible for your kids' lives is super scary. Just is. But here's what I want you to know, okay? Let me, let me boil down leadership for us, especially in this context. Here it is. Spiritual leadership is helping our kids take the next spiritual step. That's it. That's it. It's not having it all figured out. You don't have to go home and like write sermons and preach them to your kids. In fact, that doesn't work. I'll just tell you. It doesn't work, all right? It doesn't, that doesn't work. And so it's not about having these big sermons or conferences at home. It's about the little things along the way, all right? Guys, you know, as you, as you spend time with your wife, as you think about the things that mattered to her in your marriage, here's the thing. What we do is we go, we go, when's her birthday? When's Christmas? When's her anniversary? Uh, and then we dump these big things like boop, boop, boop. And here's the reality. It, they're not looking for these big, gigantic things. They're looking for little things along the way, along the way in the journey. That's the reality, all right? I just helped you. You're welcome. But that's, that's the reality in our parenting. The same thing goes. It's not about, hey, you know what? VBS is here, so we're going to dump all this stuff on them. And, and then when Easter comes, we're going to dump all this stuff on them. And then every once in a while, when we have to have a hard conversation, we're going to dump. It's just along the way as we do life. We're going to talk about that at the end of this message. Spiritual leadership is, is helping our children take the next spiritual step. So today, the remainder of our time, this is so practical. And I promise you, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, regardless of what kind of legacy you had or didn't have growing up, you can do this, okay? Three questions that will drive us down the road and help us invest in the lives of our kids spiritually, regardless of what age and stage and maturity they are. Here's the first question. What do I want them to become? We have to start with the end in mind. We can't just go, oh, you know what? They need diapers and they need food and oh, they're teething now. What, what do we want them to become? What do we want them to become? I have three girls. What do I want them to look like one day? And I don't mean anything from the standpoint of religion or performance. I don't mean from the standpoint of what do I want them to do vocationally. What do I want that to look like in the context of their relationship with God? What do I want them to understand about who God is? What is it that I want them to understand about who they are in Him? 
It's crucial. We go, you know what, let me think about, you know what, I can rock this one now, or I can, this one's beginning to talk, but what do I want them to become one day? We have to think about that, begin to dream and ask God for his vision of what that looks like. And as we begin to do that, we can then begin to understand maybe some steps along the way in order to help our kids get there. But it starts with what do we want them to become? I love this passage in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your past straight. It's a verse for us. It's a verse for our kids. I mean, I, you know, I, I make you circle and underline lots of things. I, I don't know what you, what you start with, but you should underline trust the Lord. We want our kids to trust the Lord. And I don't just mean like having knowledge and faith that he's out there, that he's doing something, but, but for them to put all their weight on him, knowing that, you know what, he is who he says he is. And the things that he promises that he will take care of and he will hold up as in he is faithful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We want our kids, whether they're 19 or 22 or three months old, we want them to trust God with all their heart. That passage when it says all their heart, it doesn't mean, you know, with all of their emotions. And theoretically, it means understanding the scriptures, that it means their whole being, all that they are. You know what, not just in this area or not just when I'm at church on Sunday or just when I'm with my, my Christian friends, but, but my whole life with my, with my education, with, with, with my sports, with, with my friendships, with what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm just going to trust him when, when things get tough, when things get difficult, when the, when the circumstances are overwhelming. You know what, he's going to be enough for me. I'm going to trust him with all my heart. Another passage that we, that we talk about a lot around here, and I want you to think about it in terms of, of your parenting, is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Okay? Paul says, Therefore I urge you, dear brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I just want to dig out a couple things that stick out. As parents, part of our job is to give them a view of God's mercy. Okay? It says, therefore, brothers, I urge you, in view of God's mercy. Okay? That means because you've experienced the cross, because you understand who Jesus is, because you understand his sacrifice, because you now have had an encounter with who God is and what he says about you, that he has been relentless and reckless in pursuing you. And now that you know him, it changes everything in your life because you've had a view of mercy. Impart that to your kids. We have to constantly paint pictures and, and create this landscape of what it means for them to understand who God is and what he, what he thinks about them, what, how he values them, that he created them on purpose, for a purpose. His heart beats big for them. That Jesus came and died for them. They, they are desperate for a, a rescuer and a savior. And that savior is Jesus. View of God's mercy. And then it says, um, this, this second verse, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We have to help our kids, regardless of age, to begin to discern what is it that the world says, what is it that they believe, what is it that they're into, what is it that they, they think is important and valuable, and then what is it that God says? Because there are two deals on the table, folks, every single day. Our kids are at a crossroads all the time. And we have to help them begin to have this filter where they can begin to understand, you know what? 
I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I know that's what you think. I know that's what a lot of people think. I know that that's what a lot of people believe. But what does God say? What is his best for me? What is it that God's calling me to be about? Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't do friendships the way the world does. Don't do, don't do success the way the, the world does. Don't do dating the way the world does. What does God say? And then it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. I want kids, and I know that you want kids that can discern what is your will for me, God? What is your specific and general will for me? Because that's all we want for our kids. See, we we can get lost in the day-to-day that we we lose sight of what do we want them to become. It's kind of like we're just driving and we're just kind of looking at the mile markers and we didn't even realize it, but we we got off the highway and we ended up going down to the, to the wrong place and we drove so far so fast and missed it what do we want our kids to become what type of relationship do we want them to have with God what do we want them to think about God what do we want them to think about the church it's crucial what kind of friend do you want them to become what kind of husband or wife one day do you want them to become what kind of marriage do you hope that they'll fight for the type of work ethic or, 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 or this idea of being grounded or responsible or confident. Do you want them to be a leader or a follower? You have to think about what do you want them to become and start there. Second question, and, and, and here's the deal. You can't, really, you can't really ask and answer the second question if you don't know the first question. Okay? The second question is this. Where are they now? Where are they now? Where are they? What's going on in their lives? How are they doing? It's beyond knowing like their favorite dessert. It's, it's about knowing their heart. What's going on in their lives? What's going on in their circumstances? What's going on in their relationships? What, what, what makes their heart beat really fast? What excites them? What, what wears them out? What is it that they're doing that maybe is, is, is outside the bounds of maybe what God would want? What is it that you need to begin to move closer to? What do you need to dial in? And what do you need to dial out in their lives? It's crucial. The only way that we know that is by, by being close and by being in tune, by asking good questions. Here's some questions I just I put down in front of you there. It's just so that way you can have those just to begin to think about some of those things. And again, your kids could be grown. And you could be doing this with your kids and also your grandkids. And that's awesome too. How would they describe God? How would your kids describe God? What's their view of the Bible? When they see this book, what do they think about this book? Is it life? Is it God's word given to us as a gift? Is it a love letter from God to us? Is it, is it a rule book or is it a rescue story? What is that? What's their favorite verse or favorite passage of scripture? Who is it that, they, that, they, that they, they identify with? Do they have a personal relationship with Christ? How would they describe their relationship with God? Are they daily spending time in God's word and in prayer? You know, right now, uh, our three-year-olds, we have two three-year-olds and and we, we, we do different things. Sometimes we just let them pray or sometimes I pray and we, we kind of lead them and give them things to re-say. And right now we're in this, I think it's Psalm 24 where it just says, every time we kind of get together, we're just kind of working on this. Show me your ways. Teach me your path. And guide me in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just praying scripture. I want our kids one day to go, show me your ways. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. 
first 17 years of my life could have been different had I known that prayer and had I uh, applied that prayer to my life, had I had somebody pray that over me. Parents, we've got we to gotta teach our kids how to pray. And it's not about big words or lofty words or being, being smooth or professional. It's just talking to God. God's a friend. He's a father who loves us. We call him Abba, which means daddy. He, it, there's no personal, you know, this, this, these gigantic spiritual words. There's no, it's not like putting your, 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 your debit card in the thing, trying to find this pin number so that way you'll get what you want. It's just talking to him. He's a father that loves you and he loves your kids. Teach them that they can talk to him however they want. God's listening. He loves them. What are their spiritual victories? Where do you see them growing? You know, what we do sometimes as parents is what people do that we don't like either. They just kind of point out the things that aren't good. Yeah, good job on this, but you know what? You left this out. The dish is not going to clean it. I mean, that stuff over and over again. What do we see them doing? How are they winning and how do we celebrate that? Then here's the next question. How are they struggling? Where are they struggling? Personality, relationships, self-esteem, making decisions, leader, follower questions. Do they have a healthy understanding of the grace of God? Do they understand that, you know what, you can't earn what God gives you? That what Jesus did for us is a gift, not by works so that no one can boast. What kind of influences do their closest friends have on them? What are the things right now that you need to be praying for them about? As spiritual leaders, we as parents must know where they are. John Maxwell is a guy who's written all kinds of leadership books. He says the number one law of leadership is to define reality. Parents, we have to define reality in our kids' and our grandkids' lives. Where are they? Okay? It's crucial. Last question. Once we discern that, this is the big one. What's the next step? What's the next step? See, we as parents must help them strategically navigate their way into a relationship with Christ. We've got to encourage them. We've got to give them insight. We've got we to do it with them. We've got to pray with them and for them. We've got to be a mentor, a resource, a shepherd in their life. It's up to us as parents. We are the most consistent influence in their lives, which means we have to be close and not just about making sure that they got three square meals and that they live in, indoors under a roof. It's bigger than that. That is not success. Success is helping them know who Jesus is and what he cares about them and how much he loves them and inviting them into a relationship with God. So what's the next step for them to take spiritually? It could be anything. It could be literally anything, depending on their age and stage, maturity. Maybe it's for them the younger, and maybe it's learning to share, or, or it's learning to pray, or it's learning to forgive, or are they dealing with, with peer pressure? Maybe it's temptation, and, or, it's, or it's dating, or learning to be someone of influence, not someone who's constantly influenced by others. Or maybe you need to teach them how to be generous, to, to, to give, to not just hold on to, but actually to, to bless other people, their, their, their friends, their, their siblings, maybe even the church. Maybe you've noticed them struggling with being less compassionate. Maybe they've been more critical or, or more judgmental, and we've got to work on that. Maybe they're struggling right now with friendships. They don't know how to do them. Or they've got friends that don't know how to do them, and so it's difficult. Maybe you need to help them process through some difficult circumstances, and they need encouragement right now from you. Or maybe they need perspective. Hey, I know it's hard right now. Let me, let me, let me kind of show you down the road here. God's bigger than all this. You know what? I know this is how it feels, but let me just tell you, God's got a plan in all this. He's going to work something out of this situation. Are they learning to love the church? Or is this just something that you go to for an hour and you're gone? 
they learning to serve? Are they learning to say the words, it's not about me? Jesus said, hey, if you want to be great, you want to be first, serve others. We've got to teach our, our kids that, you know what, serving is what brings them life. That's important. Where are they in their relationship with God? Are they ready to take that step? Have they gotten stuck? They've accepted him, but they've kind of gotten stuck and it's gotten, you know, just kind of a little, uh, where are they? What is the next step? Here's the big question for us parents. If it is the most important relationship that anyone can have, do we have that kind of relationship with God? Do we have that ourselves? Can we pass on something that we don't, we don't have? It feels like, you know, if you've ever been to a tour guide, I remember when we... Uh, when, when Sarah and I were about to get married, I was going to surprise her. We uh, decided we were gonna, we wanted to go. To, uh, she was kind of giving me ideas. I decided we're going to Cancun, and so I went to a travel agent. And so I kind of walked through some different things. She showed me different books, all these pictures. It was awesome. I mean, just all these. I'm like, man, this is cool. I've never seen blue water like this. I've never been on an airplane before. It's going to be great. My honeymoon's going to be awesome. And so I, I, I walked through and I asked this travel agent questions. Now, here's what would be interesting. Hey, tell me about this hotel. Oh, I've never been there. Well, do you know anything about the beaches there? I have no idea. Is the water clean? Can you drink? I don't, I don't, I don't have any clue. Is it safe? I, I, I really don't know. What I don't want us to be as parents are tour guides. And we tell our kids about something, about this place that we want them to go that we've, we've never been to. Do you know what I mean? wants to have gone down this road and walked with Jesus and to show them what it looks like. I want them to feel like we've got an understanding, at least some understanding of what God wants to do and what he's doing in our lives so that we can pass that on to them. Maybe these questions are for you today. What is it that God wants you to become? Where are you right now? What is your next step? And as you do that, you can begin to answer some of those questions for your kids. Moses made it very clear. He said this in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. If you would look at that, it's in your, it's in your notes. Uh, this is a huge passage about impressive parenting. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Underline that. That's for you, parents. Moses is talking to parents here. He wants, he's looking at all these Israelite people million plus people and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These commandments are to be upon your hearts today. Number seven, in verse seven, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on, on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Moses is talking to parents here about the importance of spiritually investing in their kids' lives. It's crucial, saying, you love him first. And then as you love him, God will begin to do things in you, and then you can impress that in your kids' lives. The Hebrew word for impress simply means to nurture, to nourish, to cultivate, to impress, to imprint something on their lives that's important, to influence your kids by modeling for them what it looks like to walk with and live for God. Verse 7 and 9 simply mean take advantage of every waking opportunity to invest in your kids' lives. When they get up in the morning, when they eat, when you eat together, when you take them to school, when you take them to practice, when you just 
Look for opportunities just to share with them, pray for them, pray with them, ask them how they're doing. Talk about what God's teaching you. Give opportunities, teachable lessons, life lessons, teachable moments as, as it applies to your life in their season of life, age-wise. Be able to share some of your story, the wisdom, the mistakes, the grace that God's given you onto their lives. These are the questions. And here's the deal. It's... it's it's, it's like thinking about this idea of, of spiritually investing your kids. It's like thinking that we're going to have a one-in one, one and one-out conversation about the birds and the bees with our kids. I had the conversation, high five. I ain't never going there again, right? You know this. The reality is it ain't a one-sit-down conversation. It's a, it's a season of conversations as life progresses and as things change and look different. The same is true with us spiritually with our kids. It's not just having a one moment, let me tell you everything I need to know or everything I know about God. It's, it's as we go through life, just showing them what it looks like to love God, what it means to serve Him in, in our everyday lives, looking for opportunities to impress our relationship and His love into their lives so that they'll be changed forever. Those questions, what do we want our kids to become? Where are they now? And what's their next step? These questions help steer kids toward a desired future, a biblical future of leaving a legacy. And parents, you can do this. We can do this. Some of you are students, and you know what? You're here, and you go, you know what? I had none of this. Look at me. Me either. It means we just got to work hard and let God do what he wants to do in helping us process through things well, letting go of things, uh, extending forgiveness, and moving forward and asking God, what is it that you want for me now? And what is it that you want for my future marriage? What do you want for my future family? These are the things that we chase because they matter. They matter. And let me say this. Yesterday, I'm super proud of my daughter, Avery. I mean, I've been, I mean, we, 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 it, took many years of lots of prayer to, to finally even get pregnant with her. I've been proud from the moment. I mean, I, I, I'm never not proud of her. I love her. She's not perfect. She's far from perfect. But I, I, was, I just, I love her with a ferocious love. I'm so proud of who she is. I can care less about her grace. She, she makes all A's. I can care less about that. I care less about her abilities. I just love her for who she is. And yesterday, y'all, I'm just telling you, And praying daily for my kids to know Jesus. Praying daily that they would fall in love with him and walk with him all the days of their life. I don't know what she's going to do with her life. I don't know where she'll go to college. I don't know what's down the road. But if we can just get her to love Jesus, it's a win. It's the ultimate win. It's the ultimate win that our, our kids know Jesus. They know his grace. They know that he's enough for them. That, that even though her parents love her with amazing love, that God infinitely loves, loves her more. Parents, we've got to turn this dial. And we've got to start getting after it. And here's the thing, we can network with each other. I've learned so much from, from many of you. I've learned so much from, from some, some godly parents who, who have just invested in some of our kids' lives and the churches I've been a part of. We can network and do this together. You don't have to do this alone. And here's the deal, God's given us his word. 
And what he's doing in our lives is perfect for what we need to tell our kids about what he wants to do in their lives too. It is as we go. You don't need a Bible college education. You just need to be connected to the source. And ask the Holy Spirit, where are they? What do we need to do so we can help them become the people that God longs for them to become? Last thing in your blanks. This is what your kids need from you. They need to see your example of loving God, living for Him. It is a caught thing, not just a taught thing. Number two, they need your affirmation, acceptance, and consistency in all things. And number three, they got to have your time. They got to have your time. We got to figure out a way to get some margin. We got to figure out a way to maybe shut down the, the zoo for a weekend and and just spend time, connect with. We've got to figure out some space to date our kids. We've got to figure out some space to pray for. We've got to figure out some time to encourage them. We've got to figure out some time just to write letters and let them know how much they mean to us, but how much more they mean to God. Grandparents in the room, we need you. We need you in our corner. We need you helping us supplement what we're doing at home. We need your investment to family legacy there's some things at the end of this deal I'm going to be proud of it won't be what I did at this church or any other church it won't be uh, the amount of money I left behind to my kids it will not be my offices or, or titles or any of those things it will be what did I do with God, what God gave me and what did I do with these three beautiful gifts that God put in my lap to be the best stewards I can. So I want to challenge you parents to push past the enemy, to, to, to receive, if there's conviction points, that's fine, but, but the, the condemnation from the enemy, push it all back because here's the thing, we can start today. Doesn't matter how old your kids are, it starts today with maybe even saying, you know what, I don't know how to do this. And like anything, it can feel awkward at first, but just calling it what it is. Hey, listen, I, I, just, I want God to be part of our family. I want, I want Jesus to be more in the center. I want us to begin to have conversations about God. I just want to start by praying for our meals. And, and it's just going, God, thank you for this food and for our family. And I pray your blessing over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's simple stuff. But as we do it, we'll grow into it. And God will give us what we need to invest in our kids and leave a legacy of faith that changes our kids changes their marriages, changes generations to come. That is what God is after. That is his heart for us and his heart for our kids. Let me pray, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to spend some time in communion together. In fact, before we pray, um, you have a heavenly Father that loves you beyond your ability to even comprehend. In fact, the scriptures say it is, it is too high, too wide, too deep, too long for us to even get our hearts and our minds around. And so the reality is, is that, you know, as we talk about this idea of Romans chapter 12, it says, in view of God's mercy, well, what we're getting ready to do together is, is just a reminder. It's a picture of mercy. It is a communion table. And on that is bread, and bread representing Jesus' body that willingly came and put on flesh and walked among us, walked a perfect life and was willing to co go and die on a cross in our place for our sins. His body was beaten and broken, beaten beyond recognition, as the book of Isaiah says, so that we could know how much the Father loves us. And then there's, a, there's some juice on that table and that juice represents Jesus' blood. And here's the deal. 
Blood had to be shed. Because, because of our sin, we were left wanting and needing and desperate. And because of that, not knowing God, the wage of sin is death. And God had this idea. I don't want them to die. I love him so much that I will give my best and my only and my only son so that he would come and he would die. His death would take our place so that we reconnected back with God. That's his heart for you and me today. And so as you take a piece of bread and you dip it in the juice, it's just a reminder in view of God's mercy, who he is and what he's done, who we are because of him, what he's rescued us from and what he's rescued us to. Take today. Take, take part in that. And if you're not a Christ follower, that's okay. Sit and just kind of think about, process through what maybe God's saying to you. And, and let me say this. As you take communion today, don't be sad. Because this is not a, about a, a dead man who came and died for us. It's about a, a resurrected king who three days later defeated the grave so that we could know that we have hope in this life and the life to come. Okay? So it is a celebration. And I encourage you to go to the tables today at any time over these next couple of minutes. We're just going to worship together at any time. Go together with your family. Go together with your kids and just celebrate who God is and what he's done and uh, show them what this looks like. All right, so let me pray for us and our time. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this amazing picture of what Jesus would, would willingly do. No one takes his life. He lays it down. God, there are some families in here that are going to continue in a legacy of faith because of what they've had that was, was long before them in their parents or in their parents and grandparents or many generations. And for some of us, we're flipping the script. We are changing the story of our family tree now. God, give us the strength and the insight and the heart and the willingness and the humility to do that. God, thank you for showing us that it's, it's our job, it's, it's, it's our responsibility, that we don't have to do it alone, that we have each other, that we have your Holy Spirit in us, that we have your word. And so God, begin to do a miraculous work, a supernatural, divine work in our homes. God, I, I'm just I'm so thankful for Avery and her decision to go public with you, and I'm amazed. God, give us the ability to keep leading her well. Help us to be ever dependent on you, God, because you are the source, wisdom and strength and discernment. God, some of us have been have, have parented hard and we've had kids that have been prodigals. And so, God, give us the strength to know what to do and how to love well, pray hard for our kids. God, some of us have... Just we're running out of time. Our kids are heading off to college. And so give us opportunities over the next couple of days, maybe even today, just to tell them what they mean to us and what they mean to you. So God, we celebrate you today. We celebrate our resurrected King. King who came, though it wasn't his fault, he made it his responsibility. He died on the cross for our sin, the stuff that we know, the stuff that we don't like to talk about, the stuff that we think no one else knows about, you died for all of that so that we could be forgiven and free, free to be who you made us to be, free to be new, free to have a different present and a different future, free to have a different legacy. So God, have your way in our time. 
Speak to us. We just worship you for who you are. It's in your name that we pray. All God's people say.